Hello and welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm your host today, Austin Williams. You just heard a track from Michael Oliva's project, Music with Tempora. That was a Vile de Gamba playing with the Tempora, which is a drone instrument often associated with Cardatic or Indian classical music. Michael Oliva is a world-class composer and has worked with uh, various instruments and electronics, and it was a lovely, lovely time to chat with him. Um, We're going to hear an interview I conducted with him where he talks about this project in which he's incorporating this tempora with a variety of different instruments and uh, will be premiering this uh, installation-type event at the uh, Colorscape uh, Festival uh, in September here. So without further ado, uh, we'll get to the interview and we're going to sparse these other tracks with the tempora and various instruments throughout the episode. Please enjoy. Wow. Amazing. Thank you uh, for having me. Of course. No, this is, I'm glad you reached out. This is a, um, a really cool project, first of all. And second of all, uh, you're just, thank you. Well, you never, you never know who's behind the scenes on a lot of stuff. Right. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's kind of cool to learn about what you've done and what you've been doing and now what you are currently doing. So cool. Yeah, totally. Um, so if we want to just jump right into it, I, I do things pretty organically and we just more or less have a conversation about, you know, what, what, what's going on. So, um, why don't you go ahead and just talk about this project you got going on with the, um, the tempora and you know, how, maybe how it started and what, what you see going on with it right now. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I guess very much a pandemic project. Um, so it kind of started, we won't go into this whole thing about how I got fired <laughs> after 23 years at the Royal College of Music. And I shouldn't say fired. Sure. Uh, I was let go because of money. You know, they used the pandemic as an excuse to try and get me for my permanent contract. Mm-hmm. And I told them to fuck off. Um <laughs> And screwed them for as much money as I could get out of them. However, I'd spent 23 years in this really rather lovely two-day-a-week job running electronic music at the college, Mm -hmm. um, teaching a bit of composition. But for me, actually, most excitingly, I do a concert every term and Mm -hmm. do classic pieces from the electroacoustic repertoire uh, and student works. And, you know, it was just lovely. And I had constant access to lots of great players. And we had really interesting projects. So there was a collaboration between the historical performance department, Uh uh which is, uh, and that was started actually by Jane Chapman, the harpsichordist who is in the project now. Okay. Uh, And we'd get... Uh, they have a small department of uh, players of Baroque instruments and we team them up with the student composers and go, hey, make some new wine for old bottles. See what we can do. Uh, And she got me in to do electronics because she was very keen to sort of really push the Mm high-tech current sort of agenda. I mean, Mm -hmm. the place of electronics in, in a sort of, traditional conservatoire place mm-hmm. it's a bit odd really they don't get it yeah i mean it's it's that it's it can be kind of dated sometimes uh it's it's yeah. like it never 
went past the 70s um, in yeah, terms of exactly. like, you know, the, the aesthetic or, you know, what, what's expected of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. the number of conferences I've been to where it's like, listen to the output of my seven-dimensional number matrix. And I'm like, well, it sounds like a bird having an epileptic fit in a crisp packet. Do you know what I mean? It's just, you know, oh, all that stuff. Yeah. There's good yeah. stuff like that, but there's a lot of shit. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And also, like in terms of performance management, they do not understand that it takes a while to plug all this equipment in and sure. you need to have sound checks. They mm -hmm. think it's like unpacking a piccolo from a case. Anyway, right. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so that was the sort of world I moved in. And then I was also composing residence for this little group, Rare Scale. Uh, which and that was all about doing new music, and mm -hmm. I was working with an, uh, an alto flute player who actually mm -hmm. had um, it's called the Kingmar system, it's a new system with extra keys so you can get all the quarter tones. Oh, wow, cool! Yeah, so she was really into that, and okay. then we did some really interesting collaborations sure. around that. But then the pandemic caused that to fall apart okay. as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, a very rough time, and I'm sitting here thinking, mm, is there anything I can do working with the people I know mm. remotely? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we are in this wonderful age where we can do this. Right, sort of thing, yeah, you know? this for example. And, yep. <laughs> yeah, and exactly, and yeah. the timing has been kind of extraordinary, that the tech was appropriate just when the... Anyway. Uh -huh. So I thought, right, and let's keep it simple, uh, and let's write something that people might actually want to buy. I mean, I've been writing a lot of music for 20, 30 years that uh -huh. nobody ever really bought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, you say you like it at the gig, doesn't seem to turn into album sales or yeah. anything like that. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, it's a very non-commercial music right. that I'm making.
and my music isn't particularly atonal. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's sort of modernist or anything like that, but it has those yeah. things. I mean, just reading, so the press release you sent me, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you said it's, it was kind of hard to describe what's going on. You know, mm. just, you have so many different things happening at once or di- maybe different influences coming in, you know, together. Um, and I think maybe something I was kind of curious about was that, an intentional choice from the beginning or is that just something that kind of uh is that just what it ended up being after kind of no very much i think this is i mean i'm also you know a man in his late 50s having possibly having a bit of a midlife crisis (laughs) um so very much an aim of bringing together Everything I've enjoyed. I spent a lot of the pandemic watching old movies that I watched as a teenager, watching amazing things like, I don't know if you remember the Leonard Bernstein series of lectures he did Mm, at Harvard. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This stuff was on TV when I was a teenager. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the son of immigrants. I'm not from a particular musical background, yeah. but it's things like that, or singers like Jesse Norman, mm. who mm-hmm. would talk and say, you know what, this is amazing music, and anybody can have access to it. Mm-hmm. Have a go, you know. I mean, I, I mean, we can maybe talk about this later, because I think the landscape has really changed, sure. rather sadly. Yeah. I think there was a period in the 60s and 70s when things were actually really optimistic mm. and... People made some amazing music. Um, so, yeah, pulling all these things together, you know, I love techno mm-hmm. uh, yeah, or rather yeah. house music because yeah. when I was a teenager, I'd go clubbing yeah. a bit, not very much, not successfully, <laughs> but, you know, I was there. Frankie Knuckles was there. Um, we'd listen to Brian Eno, a lot of Brian Eno. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he was really big. I mean, I went to university 84 and I think Ambient 4, which mm. is, I think, my favorite album yeah, of his. Yeah, yeah, Very synthy, very, yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, that came out about the same time. Mm-hmm. But also, we were listening to a hell of a lot of uh, Debussy and Messina. Sure. And particularly, that I was part of a little sort of clique at school and we were all quite fey, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of attraction to that sort of hyper-romantic French sure. and onwards repertoire. Yeah. And actually, so Paul, the oboist yeah, on yeah. one of the things, uh-huh. um, he was my best mate at school oh. from age yeah. 11. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we used to ponce around talking about art, uh, and yeah. he ended up being um, head of wind and, and vice principal, I think, at the Royal Northern College of Music wow. in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. Total coincidence. But anyway, so True. pulling all these friends together and then coming to the Tempura, I've been married to my husband. Well, we've been together. We were literally legally not allowed to marry. Mm-hmm. Um for what 20 years now he's uh of asian punjabi heritage mm, that's where his okay. family comes from he's brought over when he was one um so there's always been a lot of bollywood music okay he's a big fan of the, the classic sure i can never pronounce her name lataman ganesh you know okay the great singer who died recently oh, and he cried yes. I know who you're about. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we've, yeah. We've, from 
anyway. Yeah. So there was, there's been a lot of that. I was also thinking about types of improvised music because I used to write everything down in a quite sort of picky way. And I'm thinking, nah, let's not bother with that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what are the great traditions of improvisation? Well, I know about the French organ one, which is super nerdy, but really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously I know about jazz mm-hmm. and sort of by osmosis i know about indian classical music but not mm-hmm. really yeah yeah but also so many of my favorite composers have been hugely inspired by various orientalisms from sure. debussy and the uh, javanese gamelan at the paris exhibition sure. more particularly um messiaen and his use of ragas and modes of limited transposition right, blah blah right. blah uh and then more recently philip glass yeah yep yeah yeah i mean when philip glass is good he's amazing when he's yep. bad he's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> but i mean literally he's satyagraha is one of the foundations on which oh, I, uh, okay yeah yeah for sure i love that work that is yeah. amazing we had an amazing production here once yeah. But, um, yeah anyway um so yeah pulling all these different things together and then realizing you know what i actually know a lot of people that i can just say hey you up for this sure it'll be really easy because what i've done is i've made this track yeah and then the rule is they come around here i give them lunch 50 quid (laughs) um and um five or six takes complete takes okay just responding to the track. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I might say a few things about what I think it's about, but, you know, I think sure. heaven or whatever. And then yeah. and then that's what happened. And then I take those takes and chop them up. And I made all these different pieces.
And absolutely, I mean, the, the tempura itself is amazing. I mean, I went to that because I thought, right, I'm going to write a drone mm-hmm. and I'll use my traditional tools and I've got 101, you know, software synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's get something 70s sounding going. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I always said to my students was, you know, you want an organic sound. The problem with electronic sound is that it is potentially dead right. it's, or alien, one right. or the other, right. you know, whether if it's a theremin and it's all, you know, mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. they came from out of space or whatever. Yep. Um, so to make it really organic, you have to have this constant shifting of color. Right, right. That's what the human voice does. That's what string players exactly exactly uh and then i was so i spent ages you know fiddling around with automations and Mm -hmm. creating little sort of semi-random number generators the sort of thing electronic musicians love nerding Mm -hmm. out on Mm -hmm. uh and then again i was just listening to we were listening to some old bollywood song and i was just like oh my god that's just so much better than anything i could do <laughs> i mean way better yeah even yeah. just a source material yeah. i mean it's they are miraculous and you know and it's just a bloody good and some strings yeah yeah uh but you know so that's what i'm amazed by indian music is so sophisticated mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It's crazy, you know, the sort of levels of sophistication that we associate with, I don't know, high-end French, you know, boulets or something like so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's a very different yeah. music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but it's a very yeah. different musical language, but it's the same things. And then yeah. my other massive thing, and tell me to shut up at any point, is no, that yeah. I'm really into these sort of uh, just intonation microtonalities. Sure. Which actually is, I think of as a very American thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you get you get the whole uh, Milton Babbitt school and the, yeah. uh, the Lamont Young and the exactly um, um, uh, um, Ben Johnson and stuff like that. You know, Punch. You get, yeah, exactly. You get all those composers that are going to be who really leaned into that uh, idea of you know the 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 optimal interval or how to like really tune these. You know, and honestly, it's it's crazy. Um, I did a pretty in-depth study of Ben Johnson's string quartets and you do, okay. you know, you do hear, you know, know those, so. going between, you know, just like a, a regular, you know, uh, equal temperament and then going into just intonation. It's just, things do settle differently and you, you mm-hmm. wouldn't expect them to, but it's, you pick up on them. But yeah, I, you know, I, I think you with a drone kind of thing, and that was actually like something I ended up doing was just like experimenting with like, pitting pitches against a drone just to see you know it's like oh this you know how how does this you know react oh i mean there's this huge range of emotional color i guess you call uh-huh. that. Oh, yeah yep. cassels you know the cellist pablis cassels yeah, he yeah. wrote this article i don't know when it was 50s mm-hmm. and he talks this thing about uh he calls it, uh, I can't remember what he calls it, emotional intonation or something, mm. expressive intonation. Mm, and, mm-hmm. You know, he's basically talking about playing out of tune. But, and then it <laughs> happens so naturally, or callous, you know, why yeah. the greatest singer in the world, right. and she was. Yeah. I listen to her, I'm always like, because I've got my electronic musician brain on, yeah. I'm like, you're fucking flat, love. Can uh. you stop being flat? <laughs> It's really annoying. You're flat, but it gives you that pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there's that side of, and then the fact that so many traditional musics 
really use that the whole sort of a portraiture leaning yeah. into a note and sure. um so yeah. there's that but then also the sort of not american but more french thing mm. we did so as part of my concerts i love murai tristan mm. murai and we do a lot of performances of his music okay. which is really interesting with students because he writes the quarter tones mm -hmm. except he doesn't really mean them because his chords have been calculated based on harmonic series right. x blah blah mm -hmm. um but when you get his harmonies right something magical happens you'll be yeah. sitting there and i'd literally go right we're going to just play this chord everybody and here's the electronic part and it's doing its weirdo but slightly jazz funky but not thing mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> can you play your chord and we go like yeah and we go no that sounds sour that's no you up a bit you down a bit uh and then suddenly it just locks sure yeah. and it's magic yeah. It's like the sun came out. <laughs>
the uh, the harpsichord track actually that was another one where I was just kind of listening to it and I was like what 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 instrument is this like what am I listening to because <laughs> yeah it was it was really cool like the way it was processed and also the way it interacted with the electronic track I mm. I thought it was I harpsichord didn't come to mind I knew it was a string instrument but I was like what what is going on here so that's uh, really well big hats off to Jane I mean she is amazing yeah. and. Um, yeah, work with experts. They know all this stuff. Right. They know how to make a harpsichord sound like this or that or the other. There was actually really not very much processing on that. Mm. A lot of editing. Wow. And yeah. Quite a bit of multi-tracking. But yeah. the raw colours are largely just Jane doing stuff in the French Baroque style wow. of, um, of Marais and, and that lot. Sure, um, sure. What she loves doing. Uh so, yeah, or like, you know, you've got the, um, I mean, the Scottish one, as I call it, Ewan mm. on the flute. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get more bloody Celtic and yeah, sort yeah. of <laughs> Braveheart, here we come. Um, and again, that was just, he brought that to him, yeah. to the thing. In fact, also the personality of each performer has really fed into the, each piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The very first one, I, uh, Hannah, who's a, another old friend of mine, yeah, she's really yeah. big on the impro, sort of sent jazz, very free impro scene. Sure. Again, not yeah. a place that where anybody pays money for anything. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and I said to her, you know, oh, look, I've done this track. It's tampura. It's For me, it's kind of sexy, uh, there's a that thing going on, or maybe we could think about it as like a journey into heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a big, perfect cadence, and you go through this bit in the middle that's quite tense. Uh, yep. And uh, and then so Hannah did some stuff, um, and it was amazing and really moving. And I was like, "But Hannah, that was really sad." Mm. Uh, and she was <laughs> like, "Oh yeah." Um, well, I was tapping into this, and I mean, not to overstate it, but Hannah's background is a kind of Middle European, you know, high cello writing, cold Nidri, all that Max sure. Ruch, yeah, old Jewish laments. Yep. Um, yep. She is herself Jewish, and sure. I don't know. I it's hard to unpick these things. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Nick, the young, the Baroque cellist, yeah. So he came out of that project at work. He was a student. Okay. We, I was just really impressed by him. Yeah. And he's actually got this other side career where he's like a really cool singer. Uh, but anyway, that's wild. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so I got him in. And his is, of course, incredibly youthful and optimistic. Right, right. Uh, it's cool um, that you're, you know, you, it seems like, you, you, as we all do when we write, we have an idea of what it's going to be. But then, like, in the traditional sense of, like, when you write a piece of music and hand it to the performers, they're going to do what they're going to do with it, and that's that. But with this, you're you're almost handing them a template, and you're asking them to just throw their personality on it a little bit. Mm, and, exactly. you know, allowing creating a space and allowing performers to do that uh, you know it's it sounds point blank and simple but and a lot of people try it but i think it's hard to do it successfully because of various reasons i mean it's it's a very intimate thing it's a personal thing mm-hmm. to ask someone to you know kind of throw their cards out like that you know especially with their instrument but if you can do it that you really like you you know seem to have achieved here yeah really no some, i mean you know it cool takes results. a bit of balls, yeah. yeah. But 
like what I said to what I think what I said to Hugh Ewan between takes the flute one mm-hmm. I said to him you know okay because he'd been talking about how he used to play a lot in opera orchestras and all this sort of thing but the pandemic has made him think about things differently sure he wants to spend time with his grandchild and he wants to live in the Scottish village where he lives and yeah. it's beautiful and all uh-huh. that sort of so I said to him well okay imagine you're on a hill with your grandchildren looking out over your favorite landscape mm-hmm. and you're singing a song about somebody you loved who's no longer with you mm-hmm. uh, yeah and that's what he came up with yeah. totally sort of and then it turns out it's an ancient well not 17th century sure. um folk song mm-hmm. he knew it was some sort of old fife tune but he didn't know which one it was and then it turned out to be the massacre of glencoe oh no <laughs> so it's uh, really sad yeah no kidding
So, yeah, I mean, other, and then um, the other big thing is um, Brandenburg 6. Huh. Sure. I, absolutely. So, again, going back to sort of key pieces, fanboy type things. As a teenager, I went to the public library. They had an amazing music section, mm-hmm. and there was this really intri- two really intriguing records, and I knew nothing about them. One of them was that LP that was Shaker Loops and um, Steve Rice Variations oh. on one album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. San Francisco something. Anyway, yeah, yep. um, blew me away. Sure. Uh, oh no, three. Then there was also music for eighteen musicians. Oh my god! Yep, uh, and also Wendy Carlos's version of the Brandenburgs. Oh yeah, the unplugged or yeah, or, or plugged, or in, plugged in, plugged in, plugged yeah. in, yeah, 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 which are amazing. Yeah, and I used yeah. to listen to those side by side yeah. with historical performance mm-hmm. recordings because, again, we're talking the eighties. The historical performance movement was really kicking off, sure. and you had some fantastic players like the english consort and the concert brother um or you know people like uh, like richard who plays viola de gamba you know fretwork was set yeah. up around that time um and that that lower world i of just slightly darker instruments you know all sure. for a requiem first movement in sure. the original version I just think it's gorgeous. Also, um, it reminds me, for some reason, of a lot of Bernard Herrmann's music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about the that way at all. He, but, okay. You know, the way he writes these gorgeous, chunky chords in the lower strings in mm-hmm. Psycho. Um, you know. So, again, all those influences feeding together. Mm-hmm. So the heart, the idea is that the heart of it is this quartet of strings, lower strings strings okay two cellos one modern one ancient yep. uh, a viola and then a viola de gamba mm-hmm. uh and the, and they're like what we're doing for colorscape is representing the sort of doing the whole universal harmony music is the music of the spheres thing mm-hmm. so they're like a planet each i see got it got it viola is is mercurial fast movement mm-hmm. uh, you know viola de gamba is mars because he's old and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah wisdom but also battle and also richard's very much sort of alpha male so that kind of fits sure, yeah, yeah. um uh, and hannah gets to be the earth which is no she gets to be venus which is all hyper romantic it's mm-hmm. lovely uh and then constructing it like baroque music there's this central continuo group because again baroque music massive tradition of improvisation right right this middle movement of brandenburg six is just written as a chord isn't it? Yep. Or a cadence isn't it two mm-hmm. chords three chords mm-hmm. um so so I was thinking, oh, okay, and then and then we sort of twank it up a bit and make it a bit Indian mm-hmm. by putting a tabla in there. Mm-hmm. Lots of tune percussion. You'll have all sorts of handbells, right, right, uh, and then a harpsichord and bassoon. Yep, to do the sort of more traditionally uh, continuing thing, yep. and then me <laughs> and sure. my laptop, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and then there's going to be a big map. Uh, of how so basically what we're going to do is is the piece will be 10 goes round the cycle mm-hmm. a bit like 
kind of what happens in music for 18 musicians. Mm-hmm. Kind of what, like what happens in Stockhausen's um, Stimmung. Mm-hmm. Um,
So uh, I know you touched on that a bit, but this is going to be a, a more or less a formal concert where, you know. No, not at all. Colorscape is, is like, so Colorscape is this big inflatable structure that oh. you wander around in. Wow. Uh, okay. And um, because of the way light falls on it, I mean, you get these amazing, it's quite psychedelic, cool. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually run, well, it was conceived of, I think, by a couple of uh, fantastic musicians, mm -hmm. uh, Simon Desorga, Lawrence Cassidy. Lawrence, weirdly, was actually my predecessor at the Royal College of Music, and he oh. was one of the founder students wow. in the 60s. Uh, they're an amazingly cool generation. I mean, he did yeah. the UK premiere of Stockhausen's um, Microphony One, the one oh, yeah. for the Big Tantum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they toured the country every summer, mm -hmm. uh, putting this thing up in various gardens and, and whatever. Um, and yeah, you sort of wander around it, and there's also a music festival happening in it, and they bring in a really incredibly diverse range of musicians. Uh, and it's very inclusive. Uh, a lot of it is improvisation-based. Sure. So it was sort of a natural fit. Yeah. Because uh, I got in touch because, actually, it was the one, the oboe one, uh, I got in touch because I just wanted to check with Lawrence that he didn't mind that I used recordings of Paul from 2006 <laughs> <laughs> that he'd made. That's and I'm like, do you mind? And uh, he's like, oh, not at all. Oh, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, this. Oh, well. Anyway, so that led to that. Okay. Uh, that's a nice little um, stance. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So the piece will be sort of, again, it's sort of theatre of eternal music ish. Sure. The idea is that the piece is basically the space is open for uh -huh. four hours in the afternoon. People will come and go, and this thing is going on. Sure. And we are going round these cycles. Yeah, of yeah. Perfect cadence. And well, that sounds wonderful. Like, honestly, we'll see what happens. Like a really cool event. Yeah, absolutely. I hope.
So, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, the only other thing I'd say is that the whole piece is a sort of giant love poem, but there okay. you go. I'm just going to put that there, and I'm okay. not going to say any more about it. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the colorscape is September 18th? September 18th, uh, yeah, yeah, in the afternoon. Um, sure. And, you, you know, you can there's various online, you can get tickets sure. and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, coincidences two, that's Orkney, sep- early September, I can't remember exactly when, mm-hmm. the Orkney International Science Festival 2023. Okay. And yep. look out for more gigs and also more individual tracks and sort of i've yeah. been enjoying this so much that i want to work with more people sure you know i actually really like how you're kind of doing them as singles you know and they just kind of come as they as they do yeah um yeah exactly yeah, it's like a, a little surprise you know if, if a new one's take a pick as yeah. well yeah. yeah what are you going to get next are you going to get weird harmonics or are you going to get beautiful long melodies right Who knows? yeah yeah for sure um, so yeah excellent well thank you so much for your time it's been so lovely chatting with you Um, hey you know it's been amazing had an absolutely wonderful time speaking with michael and his uh project with the tempora and his plans with colorscape festival if you are in the area uh please go check it out um it sounds like it's going to be a really uh wild time so and i'm looking forward to checking it out myself online as always, Relevant Tones is a product of Access Contemporary Music. Find out more at acmusic.org, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks.